0: Week. We had another man of God up here. Pastor Anthony brought the word, right? He did an excellent job just starting off this series and getting us prepped and prepared for the armor of God. And so, did anybody else get a good giggle about his fight story from that bully when he was on his little rollerblades last week? So, we were watching from Sunset Beach, and I was just having all the giggles and all the funny things to say about that and, and his little boy voice. Um, <laughs> but it reminded me, and if you heard it last week, that's in reference to him, but um, and it reminded me me of a time when I was a child, all through elementary school, I did taekwondo. It was honestly not something I was interested in. And something that my family did, and I was kind of forced into it. And I had so much anxiety every week. At that time, I didn't know what anxiety was, but I had so much anxiety going into class because when you're, when you're in Taekwondo, you're surrounded by people, all genders, all ages, all sizes, all skill levels, and there's a lot that you do together. And then you have to test and, and advance to your next belt level. And so the first one was easy because, you know, that was like the front kick. So you have enough strength in your leg to break a board, right? That's pretty easy. It's a stationary board. You're stationary. You get to use one of the strongest uh, parts of your body with force. And so that was a piece of cake. And, and you grow and you advance to get ready and, and um, reach your next level of belt. And there are things like a spear hand and different things that you have to, to do to advance to, you know, the next level. But the one that I was afraid about the most was the flying sidekick because this wasn't just about using strength. This was now about running, being in the correct form and holding it and hitting a target that somebody else is holding you don't want to kick that person and you also need to break the board and i remember being terrified and i kept practicing and practicing and practicing and wouldn't you know your girl did that like a boss on the first try i was like hey there i go but honestly preparing for that i was terrified But once I had practiced and once I had spent some time learning how to do what would be expected of me, it came a little easier. Because I was practiced, it came naturally. And we all know that when we're training for something or when something is important to us and we want to grow in that skill and grow in that knowledge, we got to be prepared for it, right? We got to be battle ready. We've got to know what we're doing. We got to focus. We've got to study, prepare mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. But I wonder, I wonder in all of that, why do we spend so much time and energy? using the physical to try and fix the spiritual. Think about our everyday lives. We know that we're called to stand firm, which basically means stay there. Don't run away. Don't give up. Don't quit. Right now is the time to stand firm. Jesus fixed it. Don't go anywhere. But beyond that, we know from Scripture that we're given a tire to wear, armor to wear, that is going to help us in the spiritual battle. So I would like to take another look at what our text says for this series. You want to join me in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Starts off like this, finally, which means for the rest of time. Finally, now and for the rest of time. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not yours, not mine, not your mama's, not your spouse's. In his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, put on the full armor, not pieces, not the ones that are comfortable for you, not the ones that you feel like you might need, but the full wardrobe. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, I love those transitionary words, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and what is the day of evil? Those are those days where you have that gut wrenching feeling in your stomach, when your world has been rocked, when things seem to be falling apart, when you don't know your left from your right, when confusion and chaos and pain and suffering seems to encapsulate all of you. In those days, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, to keep standing to continue to stand. When you've tried everything else, we continue to stand firm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fixed with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up, which means to receive or to accept the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And what we know about this scripture is that Paul is preparing us for a battle, a war with a spiritual enemy, not a war with your friend, not a war with your spouse, not a war with your teacher, not a war with your boss. He is preparing us for battle with a spiritual enemy that we know is coming. He doesn't say, you might have to deal with this. You need to put these things on because this is coming. Because Paul knew it was important for the believer to understand that the Christian life is a battleground and not a playground. And I wish it was different. And I wish I had better news for you. And I wish that I could say that life is sunshine and rainbows and every day it is 80 and sunny and you are sitting at the beachside. If you were me, i just... I just described paradise, okay? Uh, But I wish that that was life. I wish that I could tell you the day that you accept Christ, the world will be all as it's supposed to be, and you will be full of peace in every single situation, all by yourself and in your own strength. But that's not the truth, and that's not real life, because we face an enemy that is so much stronger than we are apart from Jesus, apart from him. But when clothed, this is where we have our confidence. When clothed with this armor, we'll be able to hold our own, we will be able to hold our own because in Christ is the victory. He did it. He won it. He's worked it out. He's already attained the black belt. That's that's my reference from, from before, right? He's already attained that. But we war, we war only to maintain and to confirm what he has won. We don't need to try and win a war against Satan because Christ won that war. He did it. All by himself, he didn't need me. He didn't need you. He didn't need you to be perfect. He didn't need you to have it all together. He didn't wait until you called him holy. He did it all by himself so that he alone would get the glory. But he encourages us to put on the armor that's going to keep us in that place, right? That's going to keep us safe. And the power that we're going to face was addressed with Jesus. So when you fight to get the victory, you are starting your place on losing ground, You've already surrendered. If the fight is to win it, to get it, that's a fight you're doing internally. That's a fight that your soul is going to lose every single time. But it's what we do from time to time, isn't it? Isn't it where we push back every now and then on our flesh? We hustle and we scramble. We talk to anyone who will listen. We try to prove our case. We defend ourselves. We look at people as the enemy instead of the spirit's around us from the evil one that are the enemy. We don't like it. We don't want the truth. So what do we do? We switch churches. We switch counselors. We switch friends. We find people who will agree with us, who will think like us, who will talk like us, or we often just make excuses for why it was okay. Let me assure you of one thing that is true for you and is true for me. The devil didn't make you do it. Okay, you did that all by yourself. You did that all by yourself, right? The devil did not make you do it. You can be tricked. You could be messed with so that he does it through you. He will piggyback off of it. And it's like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're wrapping presents and you're sitting there with all your siblings, or if you're like me and my husband who were a little bit goofy, and you're wrapping presents and then you get to the empty roll, what do you do with that empty roll? right? And for me, I had big brothers. So the first thing they did was like, give me that, give me that, give me that. I'm not going to hit you. Give me that, give me that. And so they, I put it in their hands like a dummy. And then what do they do with it? And that's what we do spiritually with Satan. That's what we do in the spiritually realms. Hey, that's, I'm not going to hurt you. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Let me have it. And so we're tricked and we're deceived and we give away ground that was never meant to give away. Because the power of the devil is deception. He was the angel of light after all. He wasn't some red, shiny, horned being that was all creepy the angel of light and he knows how to deceive and he knows what looks pleasing and beautiful to you. So God tells us some armor to put on because he wants to protect us from that. Aren't you thankful for Jesus who does an incredible job of not just doing the work for us but preparing us for what's ahead? And so we have this armor that we're told to put on and what I find interesting is that these first few pieces of armor start with a verb, with, with the belt of peace, peace, right? And so what I love about that is it tells us to be. It means to be. It's your state of being, how to stand fast. So stand firm then with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, with your feet ready. But the last couple he switches, and this is what I find exciting about God's word is he teaches us so much. He says taking or taking up, receiving, accepting, The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. He flips verbs. Why? Why does he do that? I'm a nerd, so I appreciate this kind of thing. Because the first ones you keep with you always. You never take them off. They are a part of your uniform that you wear. And the last few you have with you, you take them up, but you use them as the occasion calls for. And what do I mean by this? Think of it like a baseball player. You get ready for a baseball game, and you've got some things that you've got to wear. You've got your uniform, which identifies who you are. You've got your cleats because you know you're going to be running on some different terrain. You've got to be ready for that. You've got a hat, but sometimes you take that hat off and you use a helmet because it's more appropriate. How silly would it be for me to take a glove when I'm getting ready to bat or to take my bat when I'm out playing center field? Would I need it at that time? No. Do I need it with me? Absolutely. And so Paul is differentiating that in this scripture, and he lets us know that we need to be ready. We have a uniform that identifies who we are that is our state of being, and we have weapons that we are able to use in the spiritual realm, and for that I am eternally grateful. So the first parts of our armor we know are our state of being, and today we're going to talk about the belt of truth. The belt of truth, this is something we keep on at all times. And Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. For a man... The belt holds up his pants, right? Ladies, if you're in the room, we wear belts because they're cute, because they make our outfit look good. They are an accessory. But if you were a man and you are getting dressed up, what does your belt do? It holds everything in place. You don't put the belt on and then put your shirt on and tuck it in. Typically, I hope you've learned that doesn't work as well. But you get dressed, you tie everything together, you tuck it in nicely, and then the belt holds it in place. And much like that, the belt of truth holds us in place and keeps us in line with the word of God. The belt brings order and holds everything in place. And historically, we know that they did this because they wore two They wore tunics, and whenever they were getting ready to move into action, whenever they were getting ready to go into battle, whenever they were going to do something important, and you can find scripture reference after scripture reference about this, what they did was they tucked their wardrobe, what they were wearing, into that belt because the belt was the thing that held it together. And if we're going to win in the spiritual realm, we need to fight with spiritual armor, and the belt is the first place where that takes place. But what is truth? What is truth today? Some truth is relative, right? The truth for today is, I'm not gonna look great doing a flying sidekick. That ship has sailed. Based on new information, your girl is not gonna have that down. I'm not gonna look good doing it. It is not gonna be something that works. The relative truth is, Angel busted out a flying sidekick like boss. You could put that on your Twitter and let everybody think it still happened if you want to. But based on new information, that has changed. That part of my life has changed. I am so out of practice that that would be difficult to accomplish. One of our teenagers after the first service says, I think you should try it. And I was like, girl, I'm at a place where I might break a hip. Like, I know my limits. I know where I'm at. Both things are true, right? I'm probably not going to master that today, but I also did a really good job. That truth is relative to that season of my life. But then there's some truth that's concrete, the things that don't change, that are solid, that are steady. But I wonder what we will allow to be our truth. What are you allowing to be your truth? Will it be your emotions and how you feel? Because feelings change. You can't use your feelings as a measurement of truth because they are constantly changing. Feelings matter. They're God-given. I'm not ruling them out. He wants us to feel them, express them, let him have complete access to them. But they are not the final authority. Or will it be your intellect? Maybe you're super smart. You're one of those people who knows seven-syllable words. Kudos, I'm not you. But you could be the smartest person in the room. And let me assure you, you are still finite you have limitations. And with new information, you will change your view. What was true yesterday is not always true today. And for example, there was a time in life that when we needed to know how to use a telephone, it needed to be plugged into a wall. And it needed to be connected there. And that was the best use for that telephone. It was the way with which that telephone gained power. But with new information— And when new studies came out and when we learned more techniques and we had more technology and things began to change and developed, guess what? Now we have a cell phone that we're all way too connected to, right? So our smarts can't really be that. Maybe it's your moral instincts, but everybody has a different idea of what that is, don't they? Truth can't be what we need it to be because our needs change. Truth can't be what I want it to be because, quite frankly, my wants change. Some days I want this kind of car, some days I want that, some days I want iced coffee, some days I prefer hot. That's just the way it is. So, what is true? Truth is an objective standard by which reality is measured, and truth is outside of you. My truth matters, but it doesn't hold a cup of water to his truth. My truth matters, but there is nothing in me and in my truth that is the final authority of what God wants in my life, for my life, through my life, and with my life. Truth is outside of me. Truth isn't relative, and truth doesn't change based on feelings, based on pride, based on people. Christ is truth, and he is sure He is solid, he is dependable, he is trustworthy, and that is something that we can be assured of that will never change in our lives. It's the things that we could rest in, that we could tuck into our belt and keep together when everything else around us seems to be falling apart. It's not what we think about something. Truth is a fixed standard. Truth is what he thinks about it. What Christ and Christ alone, and truth All things must conform. Our opinions, our ideals, our morals, how we think, how we feel, how we look at somebody, how we respond to the way somebody treats us. Truth in Christ must conform to who he is, what he says, how he'd respond. Truth was real originally, right? Truth was real originally. In order to discover the truth, we have to look at the origin. That is the facts on all types of things. God is the fixed standard because he is the origin. He is the first. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the one who created all, in all, and is through all. So we have to look at that. And we know that if he is the standard, our lives have to reflect to that. That standard is the standard alone. So if you guys, are you guys familiar with what Big Ben is? I feel like even the teenagers in the room, you might know. Big Ben, giant clock in London. And so it tells the time. And in London, it's the fixed standard. So if your house is anything like my house, whether you have a watch on or you use your cell phone for the time, your stove and your microwave are probably all set to different times. And it doesn't matter how many stinking times you reset it to make it say the right thing, somehow I'm like, why are you two minutes off? Right, this is, this is life. It doesn't matter if I have the most expensive watch. It doesn't matter if it's a Rolex. It doesn't matter if it's a Timex. It doesn't matter if you've got the time that doesn't even require a battery because it just learns by the motion of your arm and so it can just get on and it's always right. Let me assure you that if Big Ben says that it is 1204 and your watch says it's 1205, your watch is wrong because Big Ben is the standard in London about the time. And so I wonder... I wonder if we would be able to take that kind of faith and let God's word be the standard of every decision we make, of every thought we feel, of every truth we believe, of every place that we walk, every place that we'll go. Because Big Ben does not care how you feel. Big Ben does not care if you love your watch. Big Ben doesn't care if your mama gave you that watch. He doesn't care if all of your friends have the same time. You've got 1205, you've got 1205, and you've got 1205. Well, I'm at 1207. You better step up and get it right. He doesn't care if your pastor agrees with you. Big Ben says you're wrong and you're deceived. I, Big Ben, am the standard. And everyone else might have the same time, but it's not mine. And as followers of Jesus, we have to have a mindset that walks and operates with a truth like that which doesn't seem unique in any other area of our life, does it? We want the truth. We want facts. We want to be able to have a standard that we can trust. Am I right? We would not go to a doctor's office, have the doctor say, I'm not really sure, and I haven't done your blood work yet, but I feel like, I really, like, I'm perceiving in this moment from our conversation, you have type 1 diabetes. I haven't run your A1C, but I really want to put you on insulin. Would we believe that I mean the doctor's sure though like he's real sure no we 'd get up and walk out of the room we wouldn 't get on an airplane, and you guys know the drill. You get on the airplane, you get all situated, and then the captain comes on and the and the pilot of the of the plane says. All right, today we're going to Iowa, and we're going to arrive in two hours and 12 minutes. We're going to ascend to this whatever, blah, 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 and it gives us, I mean, down to like, and when we arrive, it's going to be a 72 degrees, cloudy skies, enjoy your whatever. We have heard this time and time again, and we depend on that. We depend on the pilot knowing, but what if the pilot got on and was like, you know what? I think I know where we're going to. We might be going to Iowa, but they might have said Idaho. They might have said Idaho. I'm not really sure. So it could be a couple hours, but it could be like quite a few. We'll figure it out in the air. What would we do? We would get off of that plane immediately and be like, boy, bye. Like there would be no option for it. We would be out the door in a second because we want the truth outside of us. But why in our spiritual lives, why in our spiritual lives do we fight and resist the actual truth of God? The thing that actually holds us together. I had a great conversation with a friend of mine, Jesse Tart. I miss him so much. He moved to to Texas, and he went to flight school. He's like double majored. He's got all the brains that I don't have. But I was talking to him, and I just asked him, I said, when you're in the sky flying, can you always tell if you're sideways or upside down or right side up? And I want to read to you his response. And I just want you to hear how this also applies in our lives. This was his response. The short answer is no. You can't always tell. If you're in the clouds, you definitely can't tell. When flying in the clouds, we use an instrument called the attitude indicator. That could be its own sermon right there, right? I need that. That gives us reference, and we need to keep the plane level when we don't have an outside reference. If you don't have that artificial horizon, the attitude indicator, you can start to turn and maintain a turn too long. And the fluid in your ear, which helps you maintain your balance, finds a new equilibrium points. Then you feel like this new position is the true horizon, but in fact, you are still in a sharp turn. When you go to put the aircraft back to the horizon, it actually feels like you are turning the opposite way and it can cause you to go into a steeper dive. It's amazing how quickly, if you get disoriented, your head is spinning. He said, it happened to me once when I flew into a cloud and immediately felt like I was turning in the wrong direction. Even though I could see my artificial horizon, I still felt off. I had to tell myself over and over and over again to keep focusing on the horizon line because it is correct. Friends, don't be deceived by your environment. Don't be deceived by what you feel, but what you think could be right when you are in the clouds and you can't see straight. We all thought that we were right side up when really we were right side down. We've all walked through those moments where we thought we had it together and we don't. But our sight line is limited and we adapt to our surroundings. So here is the question, what will you allow to be your final standard? Biblically, Paul is saying the only way for you to escape the deception of the enemy is to let the word of God interpret reality for you. God is the only one who has all the information. And it goes to show that we need something outside of ourselves because we tend to change our circumstances when we don't like it. When we start feeling like we got something in our ear and this doesn't feel right anymore, we adapt to the circumstances. We adapt to what people want of us, to what we hear, to our fears, to the failures. And we try to change our circumstances instead of changing our hearts and our minds to align up with God's word with his truth. So I ask you to search it out. Is it true? Is it true? The first thing that we never leave home without, Paul is saying, is fix our belt. Tie it around us. Fix your standard. Allow it to be concrete. Allow it to be the final authority. Don't let emotions, approval, or anything else tell you. It's like children. We have all been around children, our children, sometimes still today. I'm still in this boat every now and then. Or we have our small children telling us what is right and what's wrong or where we're supposed to go or what's what, right? We've had that. No, this is the way it is. The amount of times I have told my children, I do not care what TikTok says. That is not how it goes. Like, that has come over my mouth over and over and over again. And you probably could laugh because you're like, Mom, don't put me out there like that. But you know it's true. And they laugh when I say, look at this video i found on TikTok. But children want to tell us the way it is, with no experience, when they don't know all the information, when they don't know what's ahead, and they want to tell you how it's supposed to be. Well, guess what, friends? We are God's children. And we cannot tell him how it's supposed to be. Because it doesn't work like that. Because he knows, because his sight isn't limited, because he has all of the information, he has been through some things that we haven't. And in this spiritual world that we are walking through, will try to rule us. And when it does, it's typically in our minds, it's typically in that place in between our two ears. And how do I know this? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3, says this For though we live in the world, we do not, uh, let me try that again, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. He's saying we don't win with human capacity. We don't win with human knowledge. We don't win with human emotion. We win with weapons, not of this world. On the contrary, our spiritual armor has the divine power to demolish strongholds. And let's look at what we're demolishing right now. We demolish arguments and every or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, not some, every thought, making it obedient to Christ, our final standard. The evil one creates strongholds that we have got to learn to dismantle. We've got to learn to use that weapons, use that armor to fight and tear down those strongholds because with this armor, starting with the belt of truth, we destroy speculations, we destroy what people said about us, we destroy how we feel about ourselves, we destroy everything that sets itself up against from the word of God. But the enemy would love to get in there and plant some seeds, wouldn't he? He'd love to get in there and block out any argument that you might have that would set yourself up as aligned with Jesus Christ. <laughs> He'd love to plant some seeds of doubt. Is this real? I don't know. Do they love me? Does Christ really love me? Did Jesus really die on a cross? And so then we start looking for people who will agree with us, even if it's your friends or your mama, he don't care. Let me just let me just tap into that. Let me just poke that bear just a little bit. Because when he does it owns you owns you and you know what that's like because we've been there where we wrestle over and over and over again with the same thing and God is like I have I've won the victory hello here I am all you got to do is walk with me but it begins to own us because a stronghold is something we cannot break on our own we need the truth of God's word to deliver us and empower us through that but what happens when Satan comes in and plants those seeds of doubt or, we, or calls those things into question, questioning moral character of people we love when there's no reason to do so, fill in your blank with that. It creates a partition in our minds. The God side and the man's side. And we have that. The school friends and the church friends. The I know Jesus will do it and I trust him and the... Let me work really, really hard to figure this out and have a plan B just in case it doesn't come through the way I want. Right? The God side and the worldly side. And Satan doesn't mind you having a God side. He really doesn't. As long as on Monday you flip back to the other side. And we know what that's like and we've been there. Satan does not mind if you have that side because the partition, as long as it's there, The partition blocks out the knowledge of God in all areas of your life. You can have some of it, but I'm going to block out just this part over here. But you will not walk in freedom as long as you are focused on this part. As long as this part is separated from God, you will not have the freedom that he died to give you because in truth is where the work begins. That's where the work begins. And truth has the power to bring you victory because Christ is truth. And friends, I want to encourage you when you come to God, And you lift your veil before him. Let him see the real you. Because he does not need you to come to him with a hallelujah bless you. While you're dying inside and all he wants to do is love and nourish you through it. Yes, he wants to be called holy. Yes, he wants you to acknowledge his sovereignty. Yes, he wants you to know who he is, that he is God and God alone. And we do those things regardless of if we feel it. But what he also wants us to do is to be raw and exposed and let him see all of us, every piece of us. God does not need us to try and look good in front of him. He knows. We can't trick him. God is the truth and he wants the truth. Jesus made the statement in John chapter eight. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But unless you call true what God calls true, you will not be free. You will not be free. The freedom that he gave his life for you to walk in. God's truth is truth alone. The demonic spiritual realm cannot handle the truth. The devil left Jesus in the desert when he was presented with the truth. In Christ, we have the power to declare truth over our lives, every aspect of our lives, our physical lives, our emotional lives, our spiritual lives, every piece of us. In Christ, we have the power to say, Stop lying, devil, I'm done. I don't need to believe that anymore. I'm not an addict. I am not my addiction, I am a child of God. I am not dumb, I have the mind of Christ. God says I'm a somebody. You know what, devil? This word isn't just a list of rules, it is a pathway to freedom and I'm gonna walk in it. I am forgiven, it doesn't matter what I did last week, what I did last month or what I did 20 years ago. I will not dwell on what was. Crack the partition down. The truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the truth and to know me is to know truth. To not know me is to be totally deceived about life. And my heart breaks that so many of us in person watching online are walking around life with partitions up. Living in partial freedom being deceived by doubt and lies in the past when god has said you are free you are free indeed every part of you you are free can we stop giving ground that was already won for you away but as we leave and we end the service how do we do that right what do we do when things attack so we have this armor we got the belt of truth i hear you i agree with what you're saying maybe It's actually really simple. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to give you a couple of things in just a second here. I'm getting ready to wrap up. But as I say these things, some of you are going to be tempted, not physically, because you wouldn't do that. You're too polite to kind of roll your eyes on the inside and be like, okay, that's it. Like for real, angel, come on. And I believe that the reason we all kind of feel that way when we say what I'm about to say is because the enemy of our souls wants us to think it's so much more hard than it is. It's so much more difficult to follow Jesus. It's so much more difficult to walk in freedom than it actually is. There's got to be some big, magical, masterful plan. There's got to be a place I can go that they will speak these words to me, I'll receive them, and the world will be all as it should be. There's nothing because there's nothing new under the sun. So let me give you these four quick things. The first thing is to praise. Thank Jesus for the victory. Thank him for the victory before you feel it. Know, because the standard is outside of yourself. Know that the victory is won. It's in him. It's done. It is finished. You do not have to strive or hustle, hustle, even when it has not presented itself yet. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory. The second thing we can do is pray. When I am faced with a situation that I cannot win on my own and in my own strength, I know that Jesus can. Jesus, lead me. God, I need you to take this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not holy enough. I don't have all of the answers. Jesus, do the work. The next thing we could do is pause. Go to his word. No other outside source. His word, because it is the standard by which all things are measured. His word. And lastly, proceed. Stand firm and march on. None of our armor was placed on our back. You know why? Because we weren't meant to retreat. All of our armor was placed around us on our critical on our critical parts of our body. Walking forward with armor in hand. Not on our back so that we could turn around and walk away and go, I don't know. I guess I missed it. I failed goodness, I got saved 20 years ago. I'm still struggling with this. Forget it. Nope. Proceed. Stand firm. And when you have done everything, stand. March on. Proceed. Walk out the call of God on your life. And it's not easy for me to say, because I am convinced that every one of us whether it's on a daily basis, weekly basis, or however long we go through these seasons where we question and we doubt and we wonder. We think, well, this, this friend doesn't talk to me anymore. I've been replaced. They must, they must not like me. I must have done something to offend them. Maybe the problem is with your friend. Maybe it's not you. Or we, we sit in church and we go, I'm just so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. So disappointed because I looked up to that person and goodness did they just let me down it wasn't God that let you down it was, it was man and I promise you this I will fail you because I'm flawed and as a pastor of this church I love you I pray for you but I will disappoint you and you will disappoint me so my, my standard isn't found in you And I pray to God that your standard isn't found in anybody, whoever steps on this platform to share the word. What is it in you? What is that lie? What is that thing you've been believing? Is it personal? You forget who you are in Christ? Is your identity what's being challenged? Is it a relationship? Is it your faith? I just want to give you some moments here to pray about it, to ask God. To receive from him. And so, all over this place, I encourage you to bow your heads. You can make an altar in your seat. You can come up forward wherever you're comfortable. But I would invite you to ask the Lord to highlight the things that you're believing that aren't true. What are those things? Confess them. Be honest and authentic. God, show me these areas. Maybe you know already. You knew as soon as I started talking. Confess them to the Lord. Praise him for his truth in that area. Ask him for the strength to stand firm. But most importantly, let him be God and let his truth prevail. So over these next moments, as Pastor Phil sings and leads us, spend some time with Jesus surrendering and allowing him to be the fixed standard of truth in your life.